scripture reading for today's message comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. For these, your people. We pray as your word is proclaimed that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. As the senior in high school, there was a fight that was dubbed the fight of the century. This was far before pay-per-view TV. For the first time in history, there was going to be a match of an, an unbeaten former heavyweight boxing champion against the current unbeaten heavyweight champion. It was March the 8th, 1971. And it was a fight between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Frazier was 27 years old, 26-0 in his fights, 23 knockouts. Ali was 29 years old, 31-0 with 25 knockouts. Neither fighter had ever lost. The country at that time, of course, was still split in half over the Vietnam War. Tickets were going, get this, tickets were selling for $150 apiece. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm old. And, and, and the fight was watched by some 300 million people. There were only 200 million in, a, in the United States then. But, so I guess 100 million in the world was watching it. But anyway, Ali and Frazier were both guaranteed at the time the unprecedented sum of $2.5 million apiece. I want to take you back some 2,000 years ago to what I believe is the fight 
of the ages. Heavyweight championship, basically, for the human race. For the, and for all the universe. <clears throat> Excuse me. In one corner, and, and let me say this before we, we go very far in this. <clears throat> if you don't believe in the devil or Satan, I'm, I'm telling you, this is going to be the most boring sermon. It may be boring for you anyway, but, but, but that, you, that you could ever have listened to if you don't believe in, in, in the devil. I'm, I'm just saying before we start. But anyway, anyway. In one corner, we have the devil himself. and I believe most bookies would have made him the favorite in the fight. Here's why. He was refreshed. He had trained hard. He had all the backing of hell. He had been planning his attack since the beginning of time. Then in the other corner was Jesus. Without question, he probably would have been the underdog. He had nothing to eat for 40 days. Think about it. Think about it. He was famished, the scripture says. He had been out in the hot desert, no food, no water. And he was battling Satan and all the forces of hell. Satan threw three of his best punches against Jesus Christ. And if any one of the three had landed, there would have been no hope for you nor me spending eternity with God. Any, if any three, one of the three had landed, if Satan had scored a knockout, none of us would have any, any hope of, of defeating sin in, in this life. The language is very simple, friends. The whole story takes up less than 200 words. But it's one, I believe, it's one of the most remarkable passages in all the Bible. It shows without a doubt that that even though we can surely know that temptation is going to come to all of us, we can also know that temptation does not have to defeat us. Understand that there are 24 medical specialties that are recommended by the American Board of Medical Specialties. One of those 24 is what is known as preventive medicine. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's extremely important that we are preventive uh, against temptation. We can fight temptation on the front end and not have to deal with it on the back end. There's no question that you can know what to do when you're tempted. Don't be surprised by temptation. Expect it. I'm not going to sit here and reread the scripture that Donna read to you a while ago. There's no need in me doing that. You have studied, you have prepared for worship today. You've read that story all week long. And then Donna read it to you uh, again this morning. So what I do want us to do is to notice several things about Jesus. He is the Son of God. And he was led by the Spirit of God. Totally submissive. There's a word that we can't stand. Totally submissive to the will of God. Totally under the power of God. That should tell us something immediately about temptation. Whenever someone is being tempted, it doesn't mean that they're living a substandard Christian life. 
It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It doesn't mean that they're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean that they're being disobedient. There was never a time in the life of Jesus Christ when he was closer to his father than he was during these 40 days. For 40 days he had purposely fasted and everything that you and I consider essential so that he could strictly concentrate on his relationship with his father. Luke 4, 1 and 2 tells us Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. That is, even though the major temptations that we're going to read about here in just a moment took place after these 40 days, Jesus actually had to face the withering temptation of Satan every day for 40 days. So many people confuse temptation with sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not abnormal to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to temptation. Jesus was not tempted as the Son of God. Jesus was tempted as the Son of Man. God doesn't get hungry. God cannot be tempted because he has everything anyway. Only man can be tempted. It was in his humanity that Jesus Christ had to face Satan just like we do. Just like we do. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how purely you try to walk. I don't care how much you try to avoid not going. Uh, you're not going to know a life that is so peaceful and so serene that you're not going, that you're going to be totally immune from, this, from the uh, attack of Satan. Temptations always begin as inner battles. They're fought in our minds. As one person put it, unseen struggles of the will. So many of us every day fight against temptation that, nobody, that, that, that folks, other people don't know about. Expecting temptation can keep us alert. For spiritual battle. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on your alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you really understand the devil, and if you really understand what he wants for the life of every child of God, you would never, ever be surprised by temptation. Even if you're not a child of God, you should not be surprised that the devil does not want what's best for you. He wants what is worst for you. He will tempt you to throw your life away. So don't be fooled by temptation. Detect it. There's one thing that we know about the temptation of Jesus. And that there were three specific ways that Satan tempted Jesus. And generally, not always, but generally, are the, the same three ways that Satan will tempt us. For example, first of all, we know that we can expect temptation that will appeal to the physical. We know that. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The Bible says he was famished. Hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if, there's that preposition, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. 
But he answered. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We're told that Jesus had just completed 40 days of fasting. Like any human being, he would be absolutely starving to death. No doubt about it. He was ready to eat. At his feet, I can just imagine these small, smooth stones, perhaps chips of limestone, and Satan tempting him to do something that he could have done. I mean, Jesus is God. To fulfill the, the physical desire in his own way. Taking matters into his own hands. Jesus knew the power that he had. He could have turned it into a a seven-course meal and sit down and ate till his heart's desire. But remember why Jesus was fasting in the first place. It was because he had been led by the Spirit of God to fast. And he was simply, he was simply obeying the will of his Father. Sometimes we miss all that. Sometimes we, we just think, well, it, it wasn't that big a deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. This is exactly the temptation that Satan gave to Jesus that is trying to separate the physical from the spiritual. In other words, how many times have, you know, uh, we, we hear, it doesn't really matter what God wants. It's what we want. It's what, it's what I want. That's the tempter. For us to say it doesn't really matter what God wants in my life or my family's life or kids or, or anything, church or anything else. What really matters is what I want. He wants us to separate the physical from the spiritual. And what is wrong and out of God's mainstream is, is to make a God out of our physical desires, regardless of what it is. Satan wanted Jesus to make bread his God. There are those that, that make their money to be their God. Porn. Physical lust. Clothes, vehicles, status, and on and on and on and on. There are those that make their bodies their God. You can look at me and tell that's definitely not one of my problems. But there are people that do that. That worship their own bodies and their physical beauty. Well, friends, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It was nothing more than a temptation to substitute the physical for the spiritual. With the second temptation, we learn that we can expect temptation that will appeal to us emotionally. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. So that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil took Jesus to the highest point of the city. To the southeast corner of the, of the temple. Overlooking the Kidron Valley. It was there at the roof that was known the, the royal portico. And beneath it was a 450 foot drop. 
Satan said to Jesus, do you a double back flip, a swan dive? After all, you know that you're the son of God. You know that God will protect you. You know that God won't let anything happen to you. There are a lot of people who are watching you. And if you do this, you'll become the talk of the town. People will accept you in an instant as their hero. They will do anything you ask them to do. We're going to learn, by the way that Jesus responded, that this was simply a temptation for Jesus to test God. It was a temptation to, to force God to prove himself. And it was also a temptation to try to get Jesus to use his powers to impress other people. All of us at times will face the temptation to follow what we feel rather rather than what we know. For example, we feel like that we need to keep up with the Joneses. Even though we know that we can't afford it, regardless of what it is, cars, it doesn't matter what it is. We know that we can't afford it, we go ahead and buy it anyway. Rather than what we know, we allow our feelings to dictate. Everybody in this room could probably come up here and give a testimony about the times we've all gotten in trouble because rather than letting God's word rule us, we let our feelings rule us. The real truth of this temptation was that Satan was simply doing everything he could to keep Jesus from doing what God wanted him to do. And at the bottom, the bottom line of that is simply temptation. A little booklet called Four Spiritual Laws. The first spiritual law is this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Hell has its own spiritual laws. And here's the first one. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. Anytime Satan can get us to do what, what we know God doesn't want us to do, to do or can keep us from doing what we know that God uh, doesn't want us to do he has won the emotional battle for our heart the Bible is very plain the Bible is very plain except except in the area of financial giving the Bible is very plain for us not to test God, except, except in the area of financial giving. You'll think I'm lying to you, don't you? Well, when you get home after a while, I, I, the first service acted the same way. When, when you get home after a while, get your Bible, look at Malachi. Chapter 3. And see what God tells you to do. With your money. Actually it's his money. But anyway. Anyway. We can always expect that temptation. Will appeal to the spiritual. Satan gives his greatest temptation for last. Again the devil took him to a high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And said to him. All these I'll give to you. If you'll just fall down, if you'll just fall down and worship me. 
Just look at it. I can't even begin to imagine what it must have, have looked like. I'm sure that none of us have ever seen anything that could compare to what Jesus was seeing at that point. Satan made an offer that, that if we didn't know better, we would think that Jesus really couldn't refuse. He offered the Lord Jesus exactly the same thing as his heavenly father was going to offer him. But what Satan wanted Jesus to do was skip the cross. If he would just bow down and worship him, Jesus could win the world with no pain, no blood, no dying, no humiliation, and no cross. In other words, Satan wanted Jesus to be a, a shortcut savior. Because you see, Satan is the master of shortcuts. The bottom line of this temptation was this, and this is where we all face our greatest temptation every day in life, and that is to give to Satan or give to someone else or to give to something else the one thing that truly belongs to God, and that is our worship. Who you worship today, you kids? Your family, this building, the United Methodist Church for some of us. What are you worshiping today? Your 401k? Our worship belongs to God and only to God. There are gods on every street corner. Some people worship the God of prosperity. Their God is their money, investments. Some people worship the God of possessions. And their creed is nothing more than their own greediness. And some people worship the God of popularity. You know how that we want everyone to think how, how great we are. How good we are. And their claim is, is the fame. God is a loving God, make no mistake about that. But he's a demanding God, make no mistake about that. He demands our absolute, complete, total surrender. You with me? We are to submit our lives, our loyalty, and our love to God. And any time that we fail to give God anything less, then we have succumbed to the temptation of our spiritual selves. Oh, Tommy, you're taking this way too serious. I don't think I am. I think it's who we are. And I think that's our spiritual condition. Don't be defeated by temptation. Reject it. When we read very carefully, how is it that, that Jesus overcame these temptations? We discover that, that Jesus had a couple of things. And the good news is, the follower of Jesus Christ has those same two weapons at our disposal. 
The first is this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Have you opened your heart and your life enough to give the Holy Spirit room to live, to work, to breathe, to make decisions for you? And the second statement is found three times in verses 4, 7, and 10. It is written. These two things enable Jesus to defeat the devil in the desert. First of all, he was filled by the Spirit. Second of all, he was armed with the Scripture. Armed with the Scripture. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now you can only be led by someone if you're following someone. You can only follow someone if you're totally surrendered and submitted to their authority in our lives. Jesus Christ was full of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that Jesus defeated Satan in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why God gives us the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. And one of the reasons why that that's important is that on a daily basis that we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit because that is God. And he will enable us to defeat the temptations that come in our lives. Let me be honest with you. There's two types of people that cannot possibly defeat temptation. First of all, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're defenseless. And I hope that everyone that could be in some church this morning that's listening on the radio understands that there's a a lot more power in the community of faith than there is standing on the outside looking in. Satan has you right where he wants you. And even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you try to resist the devil on your own strength and in your own power, guess who's going to win? Satan will. He will kick your backside every time. Not just every once in a while. Every time. Jesus was armed with the scriptures. For every temptation that the devil brings into our lives, there is a specific word from God that will counteract that temptation. We need to notice that that Jesus didn't try to argue with the devil. He didn't try to negotiate with the devil. He never, he he didn't use magic formulas or magic words. He didn't even use holy water. or, Or anointed handkerchiefs. He didn't use any of that. He simply used the word of God. When it comes to the moral and ethical areas of our lives, there's always a word from God that we can follow and know that we're in his will as we live our lives. Years and years ago, there was an advertisement about the yellow pages that said, let your fingers do the walking through the yellow pages. When it comes to temptation, there's one piece of advice I would give to you. Let the word of God do your talking. And when you do, James 4, 7 will become a part 
of your daily life. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have one of two choices to make. We can either submit to God and resist the devil, or we can submit to the devil and resist God. Every time that we're tempted, we will do one of those two things. All of us. Every time. As we leave worship this morning, we leave this building, don't be surprised by temptation. Expect it. Don't be fooled by temptation. Detect it. Don't be, don't be defeated by temptation. Reject it. Practical way to do this, Martin Luther. He used to have a, a, a terrible time with temptation. He lived a, a life of sin and debauchery. He, he lived a life as far from God as you could get until he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then he surrendered his life to him. When someone asked Martin Luther later in life, how do you handle temptation? Martin Luther said, it's real simple. When Satan would knock on the door of my heart, I used to answer, and every time I did, he would defeat me. But now, when Satan knocks on the door of my heart, the Lord Jesus answers and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he's moved out. I live here now, and the devil has to flee. Filled with the Spirit, armed with Scripture, and helped by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can always know what to do when we're being tempted. Thanks be to God.